Hello and welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM podcast. As always, it is your host, Nick Zararis, and today we are here to discuss the suddenly resurgent New York Yankees with my good friend Darren Palmer, the former and occasional host of Yankees today, tomorrow, and forever. Whenever Darren does get around to talking about the Yankees, he does have his own little podcast. So Today's episode, if you're a miserable Mets fan like me, will be cathartic because the Yankees were a team that realized their problems at the trade deadline, made a decision to improve the team and go for it, and they've reaped their rewards. And Anthony Rizzo hasn't even played a ton of games yet. He's been out because he caught COVID and had to sit out the required period of time as someone who was unvaccinated. So before I get to today's conversation with Darren, I do have to remind everyone to help support the show. You can signal boost on social media, wherever you see it, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, share it so other people can see it. The other way to support the show is through the conventional way, whatever platform you use to get your podcast, follow, subscribe, whatever the word is on that podcasting platform, please throw the show, the follow, the support, that stuff matters. Now, on top of that, if you are using Apple Podcasts, because Apple controls the entire world, you do have a little bit of an added responsibility underneath our show's homepage. So if you go to today's show, you go back to see more episodes, you scroll down to the bottom of that, it's going to have five clear purple stars. Hit the one furthest to the right, that's leaving a five-star review. And beneath that is a button with purple letters that says, write a review. If you have two minutes, please, please, please leave a few written words of encouragement. That stuff means a lot. Support your content creators. We are out here grinding. I hope you guys read the article I had go up today on Gotham SN about why the Mets are more or less dead. They just don't know it yet. And we're just basically rearranging deck chairs in the Titanic till the season is over. I will have something else going up on Gotham later this week about the New York football giants. Football content is on the horizon. Probably will start early next week. Start going through various storylines. We'll do division previews. We'll do some gambling stuff. Football is my bread and butter. Aside from hockey, football is the sport I know the most and can speak the most authoritatively about. So for those of you who are newer to the show, who have only been here a couple of weeks, mostly for the hockey offseason content, football is coming to hold us over until we get to hockey season in October. So plenty to talk about. Today's episode centered around the Yankees. I'll see you guys with Darren in one second. The bases are loaded on three walks. A little looper into shallow center field, and it will drop. Gardner scores, Judge scores, and the Yankees have the lead. And with that, I welcome on recurring guest Darren Palmer. We are not here to talk about his Broncos, although that is coming. We are here to talk about him dancing in the streets about the Yankees sweeping yesterday's doubleheader against the Red Sox. With that said, how are we doing, Darren? Dude, feeling good. Uh, as you can see, a big smile on my face. I'm sure a lot of people in the Bronx and Manhattan and all over New York, if you're on the Yankees side, have uh, big smiles on your face. It's a uh, a good time and a long time to be a, a Yankees fan right now. And I think something that is going to get said a lot down the stretch here, especially if the Yankees keep playing like this, is just a matter of how long of a season baseball is and that it takes time to figure things out. Because I wouldn't say the Yankees look 
dead about a month ago, but the players who are playing better now were not playing this well a month ago. And I do think it is worth saying that you got to give these guys time. A lot of them, especially the pitching staff, you know, hasn't thrown nearly this much in two years. So there were going to be kinks to work out. And we came into this season saying the Yankees were probably the most talented team in the American League. It shook out. Yes, they made moves at the deadline, but their best players right now are who we expected them to be, Judge, Stanton, and Cole. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think, like you said it, 162 games, that is a long season. We can't – there's not another sport you can really compare that to realistically. I mean, um, you really ha just have to stay consistent throughout. I mean, we have seen so many teams throughout the years that – you know, the first couple months have been incredible. And then later on, they just don't do as well. Um, and I think, you know, the biggest thing with the Yankees success is the backup players, you know, guys yeah. knowing their roles and being able to come in in tough situations. You know, we have had a lot of COVID and injuries on this team. And, um, you know, guys like Tyler Wade, who are, you know, really scrubs, but they, the last two weeks, have been excelling and you know we have this guy of last quest he's a bronx native you know came up huge in a bronx uh a yankees red sox rivalry like you can't ask for much more i mean you heard john smoltz during the field of dreams game talking about tyler wade like he was pete rose he's hitting 250 <laughs> let's relax here john i get it he looks like a baseball player and he's fast that doesn't mean he's good yeah, J John Smoltz is one of those guys that has the interns <laughs> write up notes for him and just yeah. whatever they say. Oh, that, that was funny. We'll talk a little bit about the Field of Dreams game toward the end, but circling back on this main point, I think a lot of us, a lot of us who are not day to day within following up with the Yankees have kind of taken what Aaron judges for granted at points. I know he didn't have a particularly great 60 game season last year. The year before that, he only got in about, I think, 110, 120 games, missed some time. But when he's healthy, he is one of the better hitters in baseball. And I think it's a good thing for his game that he's gotten away from trying to kill the ball, pulling it. Because when he sprays the ball, it seems to me that's when he's at his best at the plate, when he's not forcing it, when he's just taking what's given to him. He's still striking out a lot, but he's also walking a lot more. So you can tell he's slowly but surely finding who he's supposed to be as a hitter yeah absolutely I definitely you know hitting is definitely a passion for me I love studying it and um, you look at the best hitters in the game right now they're able to go to all parts of the field uh, consistently yeah. and uh, that's why their batting averages are so high uh, you see guys like you know take Joey Gallo for instance he's pull heavy and you know he has a 210 batting average because of it um and that's a guy who has a great eye at the play. Usually he's, he's known for that, but the guys that can go, you know, across the field are, you know, big in the today's game and uh, Aaron judge, you know, I think Aaron judge has realized that if the Yankees do well, they're going to praise him. If the Yankees do bad, you know, <laughs> on him. And, yeah. you know, it's happened to, you know, guys like Jeter, you know, before him, we had, um, you know, a ton of Yankee captains that, you know, and he's our Yankee captain, even though no one has really came out and said that, but he's the Yankee captain. So he really has put the team on his back. And, you know, I, 
I'm a guy that, you know, I think Aaron Judge, we could, you know, I love him, but we could do without him. But, you know, he's really stepped up and, you know, has put the team on his back. Yeah, I, and for all of the warts that Stanton has had since he's gotten to New York, his inability to stay healthy, to play at a consistent level, he's probably been their second best player this year. I mean, I was looking at his baseball savant. I was looking at his baseball reference. I mean, he's right up there with the, he's a couple of points behind judge and OPS. He's been really solid all season. He's only played. I think I have it here. He's missed about 25 games so far this season. So that's still pretty good. I mean, if you can get 115, 120 games out of Stanton, I feel like you can still expect somewhere in the ballpark, 25 ish home runs, 80 to 90 runs batted in. And if he can, hover around that 260 mark that's not what you were expecting when you got him from the marlins but it's a whole lot better than getting nothing like they did last year in the regular season and the year before that right yeah and you know stan's so funny i, I think the game of baseball is just so funny now because like 260 for john carl stan like i am so happy with that you know 260 a few years ago, you're like, all right, that's an average player. But 260 from a guy like John Carlo, who is strikeout home run, is pretty impressive. And, you know, we see his swings on Twitter at probably <laughs> every day that are just absolutely atrocious. And you're like, how's this guy, you know, in the MLB swinging like that? But one every five of those swings are bombs. And that's why he's yeah. in the MLB. And, um, you know, his, we saw it in the playoffs last year. He was actually yeah. the host in the playoffs last year. And the regular season last year, he was horrible. But when the playoffs started, you know, he had a lot of great stuff. And I'm very happy to see that he was able to carry that into uh, this season. The one thing I saw when I was going through baseball savant today was looking at what the Yankees are good at hitting. And Every single person in their lineup is better average-wise at hitting fastballs than off-speed, and that checks out with the eye test of the occasional Yankee game I check in for, where they'll be throwing a slider in the other batter's box, and Stanton will be looking straight ahead and not at the ball and swinging through it, and I do think there's something to be said for this entire era of guys who are just sitting fastball the entire time, and if they get beat off-speed, they can live with that, but they feel so confident in their ability to hit the fastball, they're willing to live and die like that. I mean, we're talking about massive, massive splits where like Stanton, I think, is at like 295 on fastballs and like 187 on off speed. And that's an insanely dramatic split. But like Darren just said, when he puts the ball in play, he's the reason StatCast exists. He has, I think, five in the seven hardest hit baseballs that we have information on. So when Stanton's hitting the ball, it's going somewhere. I don't know if it's always great. I mean... He had that like 115 mile an hour double play ball two weeks ago. And I don't know how that happens, but the man can fucking hit a baseball. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, it goes a lot into like the hitting coaches nowadays. And, you know, yeah. I can, like I said, I can talk about hitting for a while, but, you know, Marcus Timms, our hitting coach, probably, you know, I'm not in the locker room, but if I had to take a guess, definitely, you know, focuses on hitting the fastball. And, you know, with MLB players today, they're look they're looking for one pitch throughout the entire at bat and yeah. you can definitely see when it's the yankees it's the fastball and you know playing at yankee stadium which is a sandbox you flick the wrist and the ball is out and doesn't matter left center or right field um and you know even 
last night's game, Luke Voigt, uh, he hit went to right field. That ball flew out of there, and that was a fastball. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when we miss, we miss bad. Yeah. <laughs> really bad and it's you know we see the memes and all the videos on twitter but um you know if, if you're up there hunting fastballs and you get one and you're on time good things are gonna happen very much so very much so and it's really interesting that they've managed i want treading water doesn't sound fair because they were never that far out of the second wild card like at their worst i think they were six back which isn't impossible to come back from in the first half, but it really does seem like they kind of limped along until they were moderately right. They got some reinforcements at the deadline, and I think that might have been the boost they needed, not even just in terms of performance, but emotionally and mentally, because it's been such a draining year and a half. I think the fact that Cashman was willing to go out and get an Anthony Rizzo, a Joey Gallo, and an Andrew Haney saying, Guys, we think you're pretty good, but we're going to get you some more help. We think we could do something with this group. So making a move at the deadline, I think I think that might help you more intangibly as opposed to on the field. Because Gallo hasn't been amazing. He's been okay. And Rizzo's only played nine games since he got there. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's something that I've questioned Cashman on the last few years. Is like, you know, yeah. we may not need certain pieces but just adding someone into the clubhouse just might spark them you know might light yeah. something under their butts and um you know Rizzo's a type of guy doesn't matter if you were a Cubs fan or you know you just like baseball you love Rizzo he has exactly. great personality he's a fan favorite um you know, I was in Chicago when he actually got traded to New York. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Oh, my God, all of Chicago was distraught. They, you know, out of him, Brian, and Javi, it was all they were talking about was Rizzo. And, you know, rightfully so. He, you know, like I said, great personality. And it's just, you know, the little things. Like, look at Luke Voigt right now. He knows Rizzo's yeah. back pocket. And the last two days, he's been raking. And sometimes just having that... um you know, that mentality, that push will, you know, combine the team to go further and, you know, creating some internal competition always helps. Definitely. I mean, I, rem I forget who did the interview, but they were talking about the 2015 Mets when they traded for Juan Uribe, Ty Kelly, and some other extra infielder. And none of those guys were that spectacular, but it sent the message to the people on the team, don't get too comfortable. If you suck for two weeks, we'll get someone else in the lineup who can boost you. And I'm not saying that Voigt sucked, but he's been hurt most of the first half, but having Rizzo around is gonna make him, you know, try a little bit harder. And those situations where he gets in, where he might only be in a platoon situation for a little while or DHing, he's going to have to make the most of every opportunity because that's someone who does not have a contract going forward, someone who's arbitration eligible, who's going to have to argue with the Yankees about how much he's worth after the season. Or the Yankees might just walk away entirely and say, we're going to re-up Anthony Rizzo and start him at first base every day next year. Right, yeah. I mean, this offseason is going to be interesting. We'll get there eventually. Yeah. But, you know, Thinking about what you just said, it reminded me of third base for the Yankees. We had a few years ago, Brandon Drury was playing third. He gets hurt. Miguel and Duhart comes in and rakes for a year. He could have been named, uh, you know, rookie of the year, but Otani got it deservingly. And then, you know, and Duhart gets hurt. And then we find out about Gio Rochella, who no one knew about besides his defensive capabilities. And, uh, you know, it's the next man up mentality, obviously, 
we know the Yankees the last four or five years, they're, they're, they're going to get injured. There's something with the New York water, it must be, because <laughs> the Mets and the Yankees, these guys are not hydrated properly and can't get it done. But, um, you know, the next man up, and like I said, creating the the competition internally just goes such a long way. And I think when you put on a, a New York uniform it doesn't matter if it's you know football basketball or baseball the expectations are high you know you keep yeah. the work you read the newspapers you know you know what's going on all we care about here is really sports <laughs> it's, it's a strong you know thing here in new york so there's a lot of pressure on these guys especially being a yankee all right because your ace has actually been healthy enough to make all of his starts this year how is how nice is it having a pretty much a guaranteed win every fifth day just wax poetically about garrett cole for a minute it's funny because I used to say the same thing about the Mets. Like, how does it feel? Like, even if the Mets didn't win, like, the Grom day comes up, you must get, like, certain feeling in your system. And every single time Garrett Cole's on the mound, I wake up happier. I'm smiling <laughs> throughout the day. Like, I just know I'm guaranteed to see minimum nine strikeouts to six innings pitch and an absolute gem. And he's a guy that just – he just loves baseball. Like there's a lot of people that just are good at baseball. And then you have guys that love the game. And, you know, he recently just was on the COVID list for two weeks and you see him throwing at his wife, you know, who was a former softball catcher. Like the guy loves it. You know, I could definitely see him being a coach down the line because, you know, guys like that just want to be around the game. But Having Garrett Cole, you know, in a do or die situation, you know, right now the healthiest, best player, best pitcher, but you know, because DeGrom's hurt, he's the best pitcher. And just having that in the back pocket going into the postseason, it's huge. It's huge, man. I mean, and that's the thing. We came into this year just we're penciling in Garrett Cole for 15 to 20 wins, depending on how many starts he makes and if the Yankees can give him enough run support. And then you got to figure out where the rest of your wins are going to come from in the rotation on your bullpen. And the rotation hasn't been awful. They've gotten innings. Jordan Montgomery has been fine. Jamison Talion started slow, but he's been getting better. Kluber has been pretty much a dud. He got the no-hitter early on in the year, but he's been on the 60-day DL for a while. Herman Severino hasn't come back. They've... They've held it together, and at the very least, going into a playoff series, I feel like I trust two of your five guys. I think I, you definitely trust Cole. And then Montgomery has been decent. You worry a little bit about a lefty, who saw a soft-tossing lefty come to playoffs because of the types of teams you're going to be up against. But at the very least, it feels like you should be okay in a wild card game because you'll be able to start Cole. And if you lose and Garrett Cole gives you your best effort, there's no shame in that. I mean, it happens. Someone has to lose the wild card game every year. But if you go out with your best pitcher and you lose a two to one or a three to two kind of game, that's just the bricks. That's the way baseball is. It's unfair, but that's the way it is. Yeah, I mean, and that's the the beauty of wild card games because you get one game to figure it out. You know, we we're at a point now where five games behind the Rays. It looks very unlikely to win the division, um, but. Going into a wild, you know, we're now in a wild card spot if the season ended today and having Garrett Cole is huge. Um, you know, 
In terms of the rest of the rotation, we definitely have some guys that scare me. <laughs> There's some <laughs> guys that I do not trust. And I think the biggest scare recently has been our bullpen issues. Yeah. Um, you know, over the last couple of years, we used to have the best bullpen in the major leagues. And no one was arguing that. Everyone knew we had the best bullpen. Um, but guys like Zach Green, guys like Chad Green, we used to depend on, they are really, really, really struggling. And um, it seems like, you know, as time has, you know, moved on, everyone can hit the fastball now. You know, 98 is not scaring hitters anymore. And I look at a guy like Chad Green, who's just fastball curveball guy, and his curveball is not that great. So he, he's going to hit pretty often. Um, you know, Zach Britton, the, the sinker from the Baltimore Oriole days are, is not the same sinker he has now. And, um, you know, the first game in the playoff, having Garrett Cole, like I said, you're there, get seven innings out of him. He's going to he's gonna tell Aaron Boone if he wants to come out. Aaron Boone is not going to tell him when he's going out. Um, so having that in the back pocket's huge. But, you know, for a five-game series or a seven-game series, you have to get creative. Um, you know, re recently we had to deal with uh, Nestor Cortez, who is yeah. a bullpen guy who – has been starting for us a lot and he's been incredible. You know, Yankees fans know how much he has mean to us the last few weeks and we did not expect anything from him. And it just goes back to next man up mentality and being able to be there when the team needs you most. And that's one of the things we've seen a lot over the years in the playoffs is you got to have the one guy you can count on out of your bullpen in any situation where you're using your closer aggressively, like we've seen teams do in the past, like the Indians did with Andrew Miller, like the Astros have done with Ryan Presley, where even if it's only the sixth or seventh inning, if the other team has runners on base and you need two strikeouts to survive to the next inning, you got to bring that guy in now. And right now, I don't know who that would be for the Yankees. I don't know if you can trust Chapman or Britton or Chad Green. It really does seem like that's going to be a coin flip decision based on whoever's the hottest at the end of September. Yeah, and um, recently it's been our younger guys. It's been our yeah. young prospects. We have uh, Louis Hill going for the Yankees-Red Sox game, and um, we have Albert Abreu uh, coming out of the bullpen, who are two prospects that are filling up, you know, overachieving expectations. You know, these are guys who's coming in because of injuries and COVID issues. And, you know, in a playoff, do I know if they're going to, you know, do as well in a, that type of situation? I, I can't say yes or no. Um, but knowing that they're starting to get confident in the best, you know, the tightest part of the season against rivalries like the Red Sox, you know, we're playing games against the White Sox and they're coming out and shoving. That, that makes, you know, me feel good. I'm sure it makes Aaron Boone feel good to trust them. And uh, it's definitely good to have late in the postseason runs. I mean, when I saw the Yankees tweet out the lineup earlier and healthy, this is a really good lineup. Sure, you don't really want us to have to start Brett Gardner. You don't want to have to start Velasquez like you mentioned, but you're still dealing with a few things. But LeMahieu, Judge, Stanton, Rizzo, it, it gets pretty good there in the middle. Gallo, at the very least, you feel like you have a puncher's chance against anybody in baseball because of the type of lineup you have. And the fact you're going to get Cole, if you get to a best of seven three times in seven games and a best of five two, maybe a third time if you push it. That's one thing. 
as long as you have a lineup you can reasonably count on and an ace who can give you two and five or three and seven, you have a puncher's chance of winning the World Series, which is the goal here. You want to give yourself the best chance possible. Sure, he would like to have another starting pitcher you can truly depend on, but at the very least, you have the necessary criteria to be a real contender. This is the first time in a very long time opposing managers actually have to think, what do we do with our bullpen? And it's awesome. You know, this is the first time, and I, I can't, like, I really can't think of how many years where I see righty, lefty, righty, lefty, up and down, one through nine. And, you know, when you look at Alex Cora the last two, or yesterday, he made some bullpen mistakes. And the reason why is because you don't know what to do with a lineup like that. When you see a lineup with nine guys that are righties, that's easy. You know, that's so easy to deal with. And, you know, the last, since the trade deadline, since we got Rizzo, since we have Gallo, um, you know, we brought up Vasquez, who is a lefty. Um, you know, Gardner now is has to play, unfortunately. But he has to play, and he's a lefty. It's incredible, you know, when you balance out a lineup, what the lineup can do to opposing teams. I just wish the Yankees would have saw this a few years ago. And, you know, the rest of the fans knew we needed this, especially in Yankee Stadium, where it's a joke. But, you know, we're just happy to have that right now. I mean, it does seem like we've moved away from the traditional your lefty specialist and your righty lefty splits. And it does seem like we're kind of getting to the point now where the smarter teams know that righty lefty isn't what matters. It's how this guy pitches in this kind of situation is more of what matters because there are a significant portion of players in baseball, not a majority, but a significant portion who have good reverse splits where they're good against the same handedness of the pitcher and worse against the opposite handedness. So you have to be a bit more uh, directive in knowing what you want to do. And it's a point like Cora brought in a lefty because Gallo was coming up yesterday and you probably would have been better off keeping the righty who was in because he has better numbers against Gallo, but opting for the traditional we want a lefty in against the lefty came back to bite them yesterday yeah and you know the thing with baseball now we have all these analytics right that's telling us yeah. all the statistics we have now so you know guys like alex cora that's a baseball guy i don't really think he pays too much analytics we know our teams the rays uh the dodgers have not been a higher team on the analytics they're going to focus on that more um but you look at um, you know, some of the, the other teams, they're just see they're doing an eye test, right? Can this yeah, can this guy hit a backdoor slider? Can this guy, you know, hit basketball up? Um, and, you know, I think of Joey Gallo, some of his at bats, you know, I, I know exactly what to do to Joey Gallo if I'm a pitcher. You can't hit a high fastball, it doesn't matter if it's coming from a lefty or a righty. And if you're a lefty, throw him the slider and start it in the middle of the plate. Um, you know, now in the dugouts, we have these tablets in the dugouts. You can see how pitchers throw. The technology is incredible. So for these managers, they have so much uh, resources at their disposal. And it, it really is taking a toll on their decision making. And we, we see in that in a positive way and a negative way. Um, it's just a matter of how, you know, you can maximize, you know, each start. And now we have the rule where pitchers have to face three batters. You have to take that into consideration now when bringing in a, a bullpen guy. So very interesting. A lot going on through these managers' heads. 
This is a beautiful point for us to talk about the obvious, which is Aaron Boone's game management, because over the years, I mean, we know he's more or less just filling out the lineup card based on what's told to him, because sometimes there's just weird shit going on where it's like, yeah, Judge is going to bat leadoff today. I'm like, I know he's your best hitter, but like your best hitter is supposed to hit second so they can drive in a run. Like, I get what you're trying to do here, but some of this doesn't make sense. And that's not even talking about the actual in-game management, which we were just talking about in terms of having a feel for what pitchers have their stuff and not. I mean, we saw it last week. Zach Britton said, don't use me in save situations. And Aaron Boone still did it. Aaron Boone. How much he should be selling. He should. He should be selling used cars somewhere instead of. Be, if he doesn't hit a home run in 2003, he's a used car salesman. I would rather Aaron Boone be selling me nine dollar beers at Billy's before the game than be. A <laughs> but you pay, you pay twenty dollars for an autograph picture, yeah, before the game, not the manager of the team. That's a good idea. That's what he can bank the rest of his life on. The Yankees love doing that with people who have their one moment in their history. Oh man, we that's another time. I, I love when we talk about Aaron Boone, but honestly, Aaron Boone, I will say, and I don't say this often, the <laughs> last couple of days he's been, I could easily say yesterday, Aaron Boone outcoached Alex Cora. Yes. I can I'd easily agree. say that Al, uh, besides the, the Field of Dreams game, I would say that um, Aaron Boone probably outcoached LaRusa in that you know, that series against the White Sox. Something I've also noticed, and I don't know if other Yankees fans has as well, they've been bunting a lot. Yes. Uh, and it's, you know, 2021, we don't see bunts that often. So when you see it, you definitely take a notice. Um, but the thing with Aaron Boone, and it's it's all the managers, it's just when do I take the pitcher out? You know, yes. when, when can I trust him to get out of these situations? And, you know, in an offensive standpoint, you have a team like that, you have a lineup like that, you can pretty much put them anywhere and be somewhat successful. You know, one of one of the early games when Rizzo was playing, I believe Rizzo was batting leadoff. Like, yeah, they, they definitely won that game, I'm sure of it. But, like, it's not the offensive stuff that, you know, scares me. It's the pitching, like – like I said, with guys like Garrett Cole, Garrett Cole's not coming out of the game until Garrett Cole wants to come out of the game. The other guys, it's, you know, <laughs> having a trust. And, you know, you bring up the Zach Britton situation. You know, Zach Britton, I, first of all, I love Zach Britton for this, but very honest, I do not deserve to be in a situation where the game needs to be closed out. In an Aaron Boone fashion, does not care and puts him in the next day. And, it actually almost cost us, I believe. And, uh, you know, it actually reminds me of last year's playoff game where I believe it was, I want to say James Paxton did like an opener or something like yep. that. James Paxton said, I do not want to come in in the second inning or third inning. I do not feel comfortable. Like this is the time where you, you have to throw the analytics and whatever the front office is telling you out the window and you have to trust your players the players you know they're gonna know best they they have been through this situation their entire life um and you know as a player Aaron you know Aaron Boone was not a great player by any means but Aaron Boone should know you you have to trust your players in this situation they're the ones getting paid millions of dollars you're the one that barely is getting like five million dollars if that 
you know, you have to trust these guys. Their face is most likely going to be on the front page of the newspaper before yours. Uh, but, you know, Aaron Boone, I will say the last week has been consistent. As long as he stays that way, I have no problem with his in-game decision-making. I think there's a correlation there that I feel like when the team is playing better, even when a manager makes a bad decision, it probably doesn't bite them as much because the team is playing better. They can compensate for that problem. And I think that's probably the case here. I mean, the Yankees were due for this kind of stretch because they weren't as bad as they were in the first half. And that's just how baseball is over the course of a long season. You play closer to what your true talent is. And the Yankees are probably closer to this than what they were in the first half. And they were under 500 in April and I think June of the months of the year, but only by like two or three games. Now, like you had mentioned before, they're in a wild card spot and you're looking at a date with more than likely Boston or Oakland. And you got to feel pretty good about either of those matchups. The Red Sox, they have one pitcher and that pitcher has thrown five innings all year. He threw five innings last Saturday. He looked good. Granted, it was against the Orioles. We'll see how sale is here down the stretch. But you feel pretty good against Boston. You just took two out of three. You took two yesterday. You get uh, tonight, you get a third game chance to sweep them. Oakland is Oakland gets to the wild card game every year and doesn't score. That's the thing. They get there, but whenever they do get there, they don't score any runs. So at the very least, you got to feel good about a wild card game. And the Yankees have historically played pretty well in the wild card game. Yeah, I mean, I have had the liberty of going to the last Yankee wild, last two Yankee wild card games. And I will say, I believe actually both were against the A's, uh, funny enough, or at least one of them was definitely against the A's. And the A's do not like playing in the Bronx in the in the playoffs. It's They can't handle that atmosphere. They don't do well. And it seems like, you know, you said it, the A's only have like one pitcher every year that they yeah. do well with. And then the other pitchers like get them over the hump. And, you know, there's no doubt in my mouth in, in my mind that if we play the A's, and it doesn't matter if we're in Oakland or if we're in New York, I think the Yankees have the better team. They would definitely have the better pitcher. Um, I think we could easily win against the A's. And, you know, going to the Red Sox situation, you know, Chris Sale just got back. We don't know, you know, like you said, they play the Orioles, you know, the Little League team. There. They're not even putting up fights anymore. They're trying to get the first pick in the draft nowadays. Um, but, you know, Chris Hill looks really good. You know, you got to tip your cap to him. But you don't know how he's going to do in the playoff race. And, you know, Chris Hill definitely scares me. You know, Chris. Yeah, that's a good pitcher. Chris Sale is a dude. He is a dude. And, you know, he loves when the pressure's on him. That's, you know, there's a lot of guys that try to shy away. He loves it. And, you know, if he had a pitch in Yankee Stadium, he would not be nervous by any means. He loves it. So, you know, that Red Sox offense, you, you know, you have Devers, you have, um, you know, Martinez, you know, who knows if Jaron Duran's going to get the start. He's been struggling a little bit. But they have a lot of talent there. Yeah. And, um, you know, who wouldn't want a Red Sox Yankees wild card do or die game? You know, that is the pinnacle of all, you know, sports rivalries and especially in a, that type of game. You know, that, that's what the MLB needs, actually, is that yeah. ratings. I mean, and I feel it, aside from Houston. I feel like the Yankees can beat everybody else in the American League, like confidently, like I would 
bet on the Yankees to do it because we've seen it. They've played the White Sox, who are probably the best team in the American League, extremely well this year. The Yankees have an over 500 record against the White Sox, and we've seen them abuse the White Sox power pitchers who have messed everybody else up. I mean, they've hit Rodon pretty well. They've hit Lance Lynn pretty well. We've seen them mess up Liam Hendricks twice in one week, and everybody else in baseball can't touch him. So you have confidence about that. And then Houston, you know, you do have to exercise some demons, but at the very least, you got to feel you got to feel pretty good considering how crappy the first half went that you're firmly in the mix and if things shake out, you know, all you got to worry about is Houston. Yeah, I mean, the White Sox we just played very well and yeah. you know, the first game that was a debacle. We probably shouldn't have even been in that situation to win the game, but you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays without Glasnow, you know, that's a completely different team. You know, that's yeah. not the same team as the World Series team last year. You know, you, you have no Charlie Morton. Um, you know, the pitching staff is not the same. They, you know, they'll always have a great bullpen because that's just how they're built up. And the thing about the Rays is they know how to hit for contact and for average. Yeah. And in the postseason, that plays. And that's the only, you know, issue with them. Um, you know, the Houston Astros are funny. I believe they just recently dropped the last two games against the Royals. Yeah. You know, they're a crazy team, but that's a team that has experience in the postseason. Um, they know what to do. I think it's a different uh, ball club without Verlander. You know, yes. Zach, Zach Grinke. If it's Zach Grinke versus Garrett Cole game one, I am not very scared of that. You know, if it's Verlander versus Cole, now that, that's something to watch right there, but we're not going to get that. Um, so I, my only worry is when it comes to the Astros-Yankees, their players know the circumstance. They know how we feel, the fans feel. and I That'd don't... be a circus. That would be a legitimate circus, a Yankees-Astros ALCS. Like, in Houston, the Yankees would be getting it. And up here, I mean, they'd have the police on the field, like against the Red Sox in 2004. Yeah, I mean, it would be – it would be <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. they would have to have multiple uh, SWAT cars. <laughs> I was even – you know, I was at the Yankee game last night against the Red Sox, and, you know, for – I mean, it's a wild card match, you know, but there was a lot of cop car, you know, policemen there just for a regular season game. I can't imagine a Astros or a Red Sox game the postseason, but you know that that's the that's the edge being, you know, part of the game. field advantage. You know, I would argue the best home field advantage there is in the major leagues. Uh, you know, been there uh, multiple times, and that that is a Bronx suit for sure in the postseason um so it's good for the yankees to have that and having a home field wild card game would definitely be a huge advantage oh definitely i mean we've seen them destroy i mean the poor minnesota twins man how many times can they have a playoff game at yankee stadium and just some poor bum who has like a 270 era in the regular season go in there and just get absolutely obliterated the twins exist solely to lose to the yankees in the first round of the playoffs yeah, I believe Steinbrenner made a deal with the Twins about 40 years ago <laughs> saying we will pay your rent uh, at Target Field for you to come in and get embarrassed. But 
Yeah, it's it's great that we have that home field advantage. It is a wild place to play. And I, I think for the Yankees team specifically, going on the road, it helps them. They, you know, they're not phased by any of that. I think, you know, when you look at that Yankees Astros series in the last couple of years, it it probably hit them home because the Astros fans, you know, they they should come out there, they yeah. know, they know their baseball. So um, you know, I'm just so excited for postseason. NLAL, so excited. I mean, it. I don't want to say it's wide open because it kind of feels like the Dodgers are definitely the best team and everybody else is kind of catching up to them. But at the same time, you know, the Dodgers were down three games to one last year in the NLCS. I mean, very easily could have been a Braves, uh, a Braves, Braves raise in the World Series. And that would have been very weird for a number of reasons. But Anything can happen when you get into that playoff environment. Weird things happen. Like you talked about before, the Rays will just hit singles on you until you lose. The Yankees will hit nukes on you until you lose. And it does seem like baseball has a little bit more juice this year than it has in years past. I think it helps that the key teams are all playing pretty good. It's good that the Red Sox are competitive. The Cubs are a shit show, but that's another story. It does feel like baseball has more energy than in years past. I don't know what in particular it is. I think it's mostly the younger guys just being good, whether it's Vladdy, Fernando, Otani, whoever. I do think that's a driving force, but at the very least, I feel confident in saying baseball has more energy than it has in a long time. Yeah, I mean, I you know, and I think a big thing is just having the fans back too. You know, yeah. that plays, you know people want to do shit. People want to do stuff, you know, it's a summertime sport. There's no excuse yeah. not to get out. Like, you know, baseball, it, it's a great game. You know, it might not be the most popular game in the United States. You know, I think everyone can understand that now. But <laughs> like you mentioned, we have a lot of young guys in our game today that are making a difference. And I, I think the diversity is huge, you know? Yeah. have a lot of Dominican players, Cubans, um, you know, Otani, you know, coming out of, the, you know, Asian countries. Um, you know, you have Tim Anderson, African-American, you know, you, you always have the trouts in the world. You know, our game is so broad and diverse where, you know, not, I, I can't say NBA, NHL, and, you know, NFL are like that. So we're able to get different crowds and, you know, being in New York, obviously this, you could definitely say this is a baseball town at the end of yeah. the day. Um, and so, you know, we see it in a different light than probably people in Milwaukee, where they just yeah. have in the Brewers. Um, but, you know, you know, the game of baseball, the field of dreams game is a perfect example awesome. of what you can do when you just be creative. Right. And, you know, the most views in what 16 years, they said, um, yeah. and that's incredible, you know, and here's where the MLB has to be smart. They said next year, we're doing the Cubs reds for the field of dreams. Like you can't follow, you can't do white Sox Yankees and follow it up with the reds Cubs. That's, that's taking steps backwards, but you know, the white Sox are the team in the movie. How are you going to take the team in the movie out of the field of dreams game? Do a Sandlot game with the Dodgers. Do like, come on, work with me here a little bit. Do like a bull Durham game at the triple a stadium in North Carolina. There are so many baseball movies you could work with here. Don't do to this, what hockey did to the winter classic, where it's just the same six teams recircling. Like, like you said, you can't go from Yankees, white Sox to Cubs reds. Both of those teams aren't going to be competitive next year. Yeah. And, you know, 
I feel like we definitely talked about this, but in terms of all the sports movies, baseball probably has the best yeah. sports movies of, you know, all the other sports. There's, there's so many different things they can do with it. And I would say, you know, take the Sandlot, for example, you don't have to be a sports guy to watch the Sandlot. Exactly. I would imagine most people have watched the Sandlot in their lifetime and they'll tune in. Um, it's, it's the little things that, you know, major leagues who is, underperforming in ratings and I'm sure like sales and ticket sales they just need to be creative to get the game broader and you know they're definitely trying but you know you can't you can't do Cubs rights you just can't yeah and I don't know I I mean I tweeted it jokingly but I feel like Manfred cut a check to someone in that night for that eighth and the ninth inning because that was a little too storybook for a game that was like everybody in the um, country is watching this right now. How are we going to keep people from changing the channel? Well, Stan's going to hit a home run off of Liam Hendricks, who's given up two home runs all year. And then in the bottom of the ninth, Tim Anderson's going to hit a, a nuke and he's going to throat slash at the camera like this is MLB the show. Like it, it felt too scripted. It felt too scripted. Yeah, I mean. It's good when you have flashy guys like Tim Anderson yes. and you have, you know, your judges of the world who are known people in the MLB. Um, that definitely helps. But, yeah, something definitely fell a little off. In the, <laughs> you know, I wasn't complaining until the bottom of the ninth. I, you know, I was loving every second of it. But, uh, you know, that, you know, I really wish they did the whole series there. You know, why yeah, that's one game. Yeah. That would have made sense. You already had all those people out there. And, you know, there was a legitimate fight to get tickets because there were only 8,000 seats and the tickets were really expensive. I don't understand why baseball didn't just do all three. I mean, maybe because there wasn't enough infrastructure in that tiny ass town in Iowa for all those people to be there for three days. Because I believe the Yankees and White Sox flew in day of from Chicago because I remember... I think it was Cole during the in-game interview mentioned something about talking to Lance Lynn on the tarmac. So that's what I would assume. They flew in for the day and then flew back to Chicago after the game. That's really the only thing I could think of is that that tiny ass town didn't have enough hotels and places to stay for, you know, the 10,000 or so people who were going to be there. Yeah, I believe I saw a picture on Twitter where there was like one road in and one road out yeah. <laughs> something crazy um you know like you mentioned there's only eight thousand fans and um you know one thing that was cool i believe uh chicago brought a team from um the little league nearby yeah um and i believe new york did with the team in the bronx that's cool you know having stuff like that um but you know, that, that would have been so, you know, they did it so well, you know, I will say um, from beginning to end how it started, um, you know, they did a really good job of it. And, you know, it was supposed to be done last year and thankfully we were able yeah. to get it going this year, but it's the little things that get people to start loving the game again. You know, exactly. people have shied away. They go to football, they go to basketball. Now, you know, I'm sure people, tune into that game that haven't watched baseball in a few years just because of, you know, the movie. They know the movie. Um, but, you know, it's great to see the MLB doing something. Exactly, exactly. That's all we're ever asking for as sports fans is we understand that not everybody is going to like every sport unless you're me because you're a psycho. But for the most part, just try. Show you're making an effort to engage with the fans you lost or you don't have already. Reach out to different communities, get more minorities involved, help people who aren't able to access the game be part of it. Because Darren has said it 
the three times he's been on the podcast, baseball is a great game, and more people should be able to enjoy it. So baseball trying to take steps to get more people involved is a very good thing for the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. It's, you know... I'm, you know, I'm currently watching the Blue Jays Nationals game and, you know, it's not a full pack game in a, in a major city and it's kind of unfortunate, right? You know, how do we get, you know, you have a guy like Juan Soto who is, you know, top five, top 10 baseball player in the league right now. He's a top five hitter, probably a top 10 player because he's, yeah. he's awful at defense, but yeah, top five hitter for sure. Hitting, you know, this guy he's putting together better numbers than Bryce Harper was at his age. And, you know, that's definitely saying a lot since Bryce Harper won an MVP around, you know, that age. So, you know, baseball is definitely a great game. You know, it used to be, you know, a long time ago, America's game and, you know, things happen, people interests change over time, but, you know, there's definitely ways we can get back to having higher ratings, you know, and, um, the, the diversity in the game is, you know, making it better, you know, people yes. connect uh, to different players, whether you're an inner city person or you, you live in the suburbs, you know, these people come from all over the world and, uh, you know, being able to see the game grow to where we can now um, have, you know, we have international teams, we have, um we have called we have locations in the Dominican Republic and Cuba where they have their own little towns for each team, just scouting players, you know, seeing who's next. Um, the game has really grown and you got to keep growing it. That's the main thing, man. That it's the, my biggest gripe with hockey is that it makes no effort to engage with the people other than the people who already like it. It's why I really, the field of dreams concept is very cool. And like I said, I've seen numerous people say you could do a Sandlot game. There's so many good baseball movies. It'd be easy enough to do before I get you out of here. So we can get to watching the Yankees and Red Sox and I can watch the Mets lose in extra innings. If the Yankees make the playoffs, are you going to bring back Yankees today, tomorrow, and forever? <laughs> I will I will highly consider it. You know, listen, listening to the great podcast has me going here. Uh, you know, I love talking Yankees baseball. And, um, you know, I, it's funny. I was thinking about when's the best time to do it. If I do it now, people are going to say, oh, you're doing it because the Yankees are good again. But... Yeah. <laughs> miss talking about you know Yankees baseball but you know we have to make the playoffs first and if we make the playoffs watch out for the Yankees folks I'm very excited for the baseball playoffs for the first time in a while I kind of feel like anybody who makes it could win I'd like to say thank you to Darren for stopping by the show he will be back in a few weeks to try and convince us that Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater is going to lead the Broncos to the 10 wins necessary to get a wild card but until then we will see you guys next time.